There is one question that I always hate getting asked when I start somewhere new or when I find myself in a new place. It's this question that says, tell me about yourself. Anybody, anybody else dislike that question? Is it just me? Some of y'all may be like Terrell Owens and you're like, no, nah, I love me some me. I'm going to talk about myself. But I hate talking about myself. If somebody asks me, tell me about yourself, my first question is, well, what do you want to know? Because I don't want to tell you anything you don't want to know. I, I, the worst thing that happens is trying to figure out how to describe myself, how to tell people who I am. And so today we're going to look at this question that I really just don't like, but it is, who are you? If I was to ask you that question, who are you, how would you answer? What would be those describers, those things that you would want someone to know about you? And as you ponder upon that question, I want you to hear these words from Mark in the first chapter, uh, beginning in verse 9. And if you were at Ash Wednesday, the final two verses may sound familiar. But let us hear these words from Mark 1, beginning in verse 9. It says this. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I feel like Mark may have taken some lessons from my dad when it comes to sharing. My dad used to always tell me, don't spend 500 words to say something you can say in five. And in Mark's gospel, we see him laying out what other Gospels take chapters to describe. The baptism of Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, the temptation of Christ, all of these things put into six verses. But for a brief moment, I want us to jump back to that baptism piece. Because we started with the question of who are you, and, and what we see in this text is that God declares Christ's identity. He says, this is my son, this is the beloved in whom I am well pleased. And it's that very identity that gives him guidance as he goes 
through the wilderness and is tempted. It's the very identity that is the truth that we should address each day. How we should encounter each day in that truth. It's the very identity of Christ. And this is the good news that Jesus is proclaiming. That we're, that we're called to believe that, that Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. Come unto us. But who are you? And I think that the reason this is such an important question, especially today, is this. That our identity defines a lot about us. How we identify ourselves defines a lot about us, does it not? Who they are, what we are destined to, what we are called for. And my fear is that if we're not careful, many of us can take on a false identity. An identity that we were never called to take on. And it can be the identity that is based on our status, based on our popularity. It may be an image that's, that's been rooted in, in characteristics of this world, that, that you're the athlete or you're the studious one or whatever. It, it, and if you don't believe me, go look at social media. Go look at social media where we try our best to create this identity that we will be known for. Where we, where we start to create a persona, if you will. Have you ever noticed that if you get on like Instagram, some of, there are certain people that it, feel, it seems like they have the best life ever? I will tell you this, it's really easy when it's just a picture every now and then to make it look like everything's going great. But we present in that way, do we not? Because that's how, how we want to be known. That's what we want to be known as. And, and if we're not careful, we don't even get to define our own identity. Because if we don't state who we are, the world will tell us who we are. The world will, will thrust an identity upon you. Because we live in a world that, that we want to be able to understand who you are. So what do we do? We place you in groups. We define you by groups. We define you by things such as your race or your gender. Maybe we define you by your religion or your denomination. Maybe we define you by your political party. Or we'll just name it because it's, we know it's all in the forefront anyway. We'll define you by your sexual orientation. And whatever it is that we define you by, if you are a Republican, we know exactly who you are because this is what a Republican looks like and this is who they are. If you're a Democrat, same thing. If you're a black person, then it's the same thing. If you're white, same thing. If you're Asian, same thing. We start to put our own understanding on these groups and therefore create an identity for other people if we're not careful. And some of us 
have received our identity from the world because we weren't certain of who we are. We said, I I don't really know who I am. You're kind of like I was whenever I got asked to write my bio for the website, for the church website. The first thing I did is I picked up my phone, I called Anna, and I said, hey, can you write a bio for me? And she said, well, no. And I was like, please, just tell them who I am. And I think so often we do that same thing, don't we? We let the world tell us who we are. We let the world define who we are. Or, or, and some of us, we've tried to fight it for years, but sometimes, can we just be honest, we get tired and we go, all right, fine, I just give up. I'll just be who they think I am. And so, we've started with the question of who are you, but maybe we need to take a step back and ask the question, who does the world tell you that you are? Who is the, who is the world saying that you are? And have you bought into it? Are you living into that? Because the danger in this is that if we start to believe who the world tells us we are, we may lose our identity. And we can find ourselves wandering in the wilderness of life and tempted to forget. We find ourselves, because we've started to believe what the world tells us, and so we find ourselves tempted to believe who the world tells us that we are, or what we should like, or who we should be, or what we should do, or how we can do this or that. Because we have lost sight of who we are and whose we are. And so we find ourselves in a place where the world tells us, oh, you can do that. Oh, just a little bit. It's not going to hurt anything. Oh, yeah, it's just a little, we use terms like this, it's just a little white lie. Or we have conversations with people, and I've always thought it was very ironic that we have conversations with people, and then when somebody else walks in the door, you ever seen these? You'll be whispering with somebody, somebody else walks in the door, and all of a sudden the conversation just stops. I'm a firm believer of this, that the reason those conversations stop is because we know we shouldn't be having those conversations to begin with. If you can't say it in front of everybody, why are we talking about it behind closed doors? No, don't don't mishear me. There are certain things that you probably don't want out there in the public eye. But like as a whole, I feel like that's a pretty good practice. And I wish that we, yet again, could just blame this idea on the world. The world thrusts identity upon us. It tells us who we are. But here's the truth. The church is just as bad about it. The church is just as bad about it, I promise you. And some of the things that the church trusts on you are good identity. Some of the things that the church trusts on you is bad identity. But the church will tell you who you are and who you should be. Because the church feels like somehow we, the church the people of the church, have a monopoly on what a Christian should be. Here's the news that I want you to hear. We don't have that monopoly Christ does. 
Christ gets to define what a Christian is. And here's the better news. Christ gets to define who you are. Because the author and creator is the one that gets to define the purpose and the identity of the creation. Isn't that good news? If you're like me and you've spent a long time of your life trying to be who everybody else wants you to be, it can get tiresome. And the good news is you don't have to be who everybody else wants you to be because God created you for a specific purpose, to be you, authentically you. And with so many labels being thrown about, I think we can lose sight of that sometimes. We can find ourselves tempted to let the world, to let the church, to let our friends, to let really anybody define us. But this morning... I want to ask the question that I think some of us may have never really thought about, which is this. Who does God say you are? Who, do, who does God say you are? Because we, we can walk around the world and the world can tell us all kinds of stuff, but who is it that God proclaims you to be? And, and I think the world would like for us to believe and don't mishear me, there is truth to this, that we are sinners, condemned, unclean, that there is no good in us. But what does Jesus say? Oh, but I have redeemed you. Oh, but I have called you by name. You are mine. I, I firmly believe that, that God is proclaiming over each and every one of us this day the same thing that he proclaimed over Christ Jesus at his baptism. You are my beloved, my children, in whom I am well pleased. Or, as I said Wednesday night, some of you just need to hear this. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. See, we live in a world where when, how we understand love, we just got done celebrating Valentine's Day, so I feel like this is somewhat appropriate. Um, we, we define love because we have to do something in order to be loved. Or our, our love is circumstantial. I love them because of how they make me feel. I love them for what they do for me. And the second that feeling goes away, well, so does the love. The second they stop doing that, it, so does the love. But the good news of Jesus Christ is this. God loves you. Period. Full stop. Nothing else. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And there's nothing that you have done to earn that love either. As a matter of fact, I want you to look at um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10 through 13 with me. Because I think this helps us to understand what God says about us. It says this, For we are what He has made us. Seems pretty straightforward, right? We are what He has made us. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We are what Christ has made us to be. We are who he has made us to be. We are his handiwork. And here's my question for you. If we actually believed that, how would it change the way that you live? If you actually believed that you are beloved by Christ Jesus, his masterpiece created for a purpose, how would it change the way you live? Now I got another question as pertains to that. And we make it very about us, don't we? But here's the thing. Just as much as Jesus loves me, Jesus loves you. Just as much as I am God's handiwork created for a purpose, so are you. Just as much as I have been forgiven, so have you. And so... How would that change how we live and act and interact with each other? If as I looked at you, as I looked at my neighbor or at the, of the person that whoever it may be, if I looked at them as the, a beloved child of God, how would it change the way that I treat people? Let's just put it in real basic terms. That person that cuts you off on the way to church this morning, that you were ready to rear in and put into the wall, y'all know who I'm talking about. Some of y'all been there. How would it change your reaction if you viewed them as a beloved child of God? Some of you are going, yeah, I'd still want to rear end them. I'd just be like, you're a beloved child of God. I'm going to make sure that you meet them today. But how would it change the way that we act and interact with people if we believed the identity that Christ put on us, but not just that, but we believed that the same identity that Christ proclaims about us is the same identity that he proclaims about all of God's children? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Wouldn't that be a glorious thing? Knowing that God's saving grace, that, 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 that God's salvation is a gift that we don't deserve, but it's a gift that was extended not only to us, but to, heaven forbid, them as well, whoever them may be for you. That, that we're created in Christ for a purpose. It's a calling that has been placed on your life. See, I'm a, what, we st- what we see in our text this morning, and I think it's a beautiful reminder, is that Jesus Christ is reminded of who he is. And that and that alone is how he is able to go into the wilderness and overcome the temptation. And so here's the thing. For some of us, we find ourselves wandering around in the wilderness being beaten up by the temptations of this world. So maybe we need to take a step back and actually be reminded of who we are. Not who you think you are or want to be. Not who the world would tell you you are. 
but be reminded of who Christ tells you you are. The, the call at the end that says to believe the good news or believe the gospel, I think we can sometimes look at that word believe and we, and we translate it to, to it's an opinion. I either believe it or I don't. It's an opinion. But it's more, it's more rooted in the idea of trusting in it. It's rooted in the idea of having a radical, just a, a total unqualified, basing your life upon it when you trust it. Because we know, we know the difference in, in, in trusting something, right? We know what that looks like, right? Trusting, okay, maybe y'all need, this is an old illustration, but I can say, hey, I believe that this is a pretty sturdy stage and it'll hold me up. But it's not until I actually do this that I've actually put my trust in it, okay? We get that. Some of us, we have been giving lip service to saying, oh my goodness. But we have been giving lip service, some of us, saying we believe these things, saying we believe in Christ Jesus, saying we believe who Christ Jesus tells us that we are. But have we actually put our faith and our trust in it? Have we actually taken the moment to sit down and put our feet up and go, okay, I actually do trust in this? Are we willing to put our proclaimed faith into action? Because that's the call, is it not? Notice that the very same spirit that descended upon Jesus that said, hey, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. If you read the scripture, what does it say happened right after that? It doesn't say, and then Jesus went for a walk and got lost in the wilderness. What does it say? That the very same Spirit thrusted him into the wilderness. It was the very same Spirit that said, you know who you are, now go forth and live into that. Go forth and live that out in the wilderness. And will temptation come? Yes, but because you know who you are, it will not overcome you. So who are you? Who are you? Not who do you want to be, but who are you? And have you started to believe who the world tells you you are? Or have you started to believe who Jesus tells you you are? And as I stated, take it one step further. Have you started to believe that others are who Jesus says they are? Do we believe that? Because when, when you look at what Jesus calls us to do, what he says is, as you know your identity, you go forth and you share it with others. Now, you don't try to force an identity upon them, but proclaiming to them, hey, you are Christ's beloved. You are forgiven and redeemable. Because I think so often, this is where we as the church can miss the mark. We're really, 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 really good at shining a light and pointing out other people's sin and saying things like, you're a sinner, and let me tell you why you're a sinner. And then we stop there and forget to tell people, yes, you're a sinner, but guess what? So am I, and guess what? God still loves me, and guess what? God still loves you too. 
And we lose the message that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that God loves you enough that he came down in flesh and lived amongst you that you may be forgiven. And not just you, but they may be forgiven. Isn't that wonderful news? Y'all are just staring at me blankly. And I think if we're honest, for some of us, we're kind of wrestling with this because we're like, yeah, it's great news that I'm forgiven. Um, I'm really wrestling with the fact that God loves them too, though. And here's the thing. You don't get to dice up the gospel where it's only good news for you. Because it's only good news if it's good news for all people. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that he came, he lived, and he died, that we may know salvation through him. But he also did that for everyone, that nobody is beyond God's love, redemptive grace and mercy. So who are you? As the, the band comes forward to, to lead us in our last song, I, I just want to remind you how it all ends in our scripture this morning, that we hear Jesus say, the kingdom of God has come near. Meaning, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we seek to repent and believe the gospel, or as we, if you want to use our own layman's terms, as we trust in God and turn away from the ways of this world. And we journey from our head to our heart. We find ourselves caught in the wilderness in between, but we are tempted, we can be tempted rather, to follow the things of this world. But trust in the good news of who God calls you to be and proclaims you to be this day. That as you go forth, you go forth knowing you are loved and seeking to proclaim that love to all that you encounter this day. Amen.